Regrets. Welcome, folks. I'm John. I'm Ronald. Steve. And we are the Dr. Smooth Show. <laughs> Welcome to another exciting Welcome. and very smooth episode. Uh, now, this is Movie Schmovie, episode 154. Mm-hmm. 154. Add it up, it equals 10. Yep. Just in case you were looking to do some math right now. I don't know. I did it for you. You don't even get to do the math. We're back from a little winter break, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about some recent films that oh. we've seen. And this is the first time in a long time that we've actually done one of these catch up episodes. Have you seen anything really good, Ronald? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> yes, good. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're using the word good. Yes. Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar was good. Yeah. Hail Caesar was good. What else have we seen? I know there's one big movie that we saw. That uh, we all saw. But do you say good movie? I asked you good, but yeah, I'm saying outside of the column oh, of good we films. We also saw uh, Zoolander 2. Zoolander 2. I saw Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah. And I sure. fucking loved Deadpool. Oh, you did? Good. Absolutely. Like, I feel like in a, in a snapshot real quick, mm-hmm. it's the kind of situation where you see an actor that was born to be a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the same way about Ryan Reynolds being Deadpool as I feel about Hugh Jackman being Wolverine. Mm. I, I, I visually can't picture anything else now that I've seen it. You know, with my eyes, you know, like I kind of felt that way when everybody was like that footage leaked and you saw that scene on the highway that that basically is a scene that opens the film <clears throat> that it just it just feels so right. And to know that a guy like Ryan Reynolds has so much love and admiration for a character like this um, and to hear him say like that's all he ever wants to play anymore is, is, a, is, a, is this guy Deadpool, you know what I mean? Mm. It just it oozes off of the screen, in my opinion. It's hilarious. It's got great action scenes. It's got a really good love story, which is something I do want to point out because I feel like that's missed a lot in some of the comic book movies. Like the female character that the hero's in love with, mm-hmm. and I call it my hero loosely. Yeah. Like it's it's never really something that you, I mean, you care about it because he's your lead, but he, you don't care about them as much. But like genuinely caring about two characters who are questionably not great people, mm-hmm. like it works so well in this movie. And, and, um, I don't know. It's just it's just so much fun, you know. It's like the kind of movie that, even if you took out the fact that it's a comic book film that has a built-in fan base, if you just went to this movie with an open mind and not really caring about it being a comic book, you would laugh your ass off. Mm. It's really funny, like, and mm-hmm. I think that just says a lot to the character because, I mean, me being the one of the three of us that's not as into comics and like doesn't know as much about the backstories of a lot mm-hmm. of these characters that we see now on the screen. I didn't need to know it. I, I did know yeah. some of it, but like, I, I could have gone into it with not. Like, a friend that went with me did not. And, like, you know, being exposed to it, like, they loved it as well. Like, they were just totally immersed in how funny the movie was. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to being the conversation about Ryan Reynolds. I just think that he is such a charismatic, and he's just got so much, like, I don't know. There's something about him that's, like, it's kind of like a ego, but it doesn't come off in a bad way. And it's just all the jokes just land. I mean, there's a couple things that maybe aren't that hilarious that mm-hmm. kind of fall, but um, <clears throat> I think they definitely have a hit on their hands. And mm-hmm. I, the fact that they went all in and made it R, like content, nudity, violence, 
whatever the hell you want to check off it's r and i love that they didn't like really fall back on any of that because of any kind of like you know talking about studio control and things like that like that's yeah i think the studio was just like and it, i think it's an important thing too to talk about because it is a situation where like they were just like go make that movie yeah and make it good and we're gonna just let you fucking put it out you know like i don't i don't know that i've read much at all about like how much they had to change about the movie I mean, there's been things about, like, things that they may have cut out if there was ever going to be PG-13, but they decided against it. Mm-hmm. And I think they made the right decision. I mean, um, the time that we're recording this, the movie's not even out yet, and they've already, you know, greenlit a sequel to it. Yeah. yeah. Which is a good sign of their faith in the movie. It's tracking really well, and I think it's going to open pretty big. Well, I've, I was reading reports of, uh, like, pre-sales actually selling certain screenings out, yeah. you know, that people were saying that they were trying to get tickets to see it, and they were already looking at, like, Sunday and Monday. I don't think that's the case here in Baltimore, where there's right. going to be tons of theaters showing right, it. Sure. But I, maybe in uh, you know a smaller town that might have a few theaters that do the kind of reserved seating. I guess you would see that happen. That is something we can now measure: is looking at that anticipation to see how many people are going ahead and getting their their ticket. You know. Yeah, and I think that it's just really smart to put it out when they're putting it out. And mm-hmm. I mean, not to, not to take anything away from. I mean, I don't want to say anything about it. if your choice is to go see a movie mm-hmm. like Zoolander or yeah. How to Be Single that comes out this week. You know, you're making the wrong decision. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like Deadpool, you could go see this movie, and even if you don't like comic book movies, and, and they and they make fun of it in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's so fucking aware of itself. It's just, it's great. And the marketing for this movie, you know, we talk about the marketing for films and trailers and things like that. Like, I don't know that I've seen as good of a marketing plan for a movie as I've seen for Deadpool in a long time. Well, it seems very of a piece with what the movie is, yeah. and it seems very trusting of a certain audience that's going to come out for this film. I mean, and, and as someone who has read a lot of comics, I don't, like, most of the movies that we talk about aren't movies that have a comic book that that was one, that was one of my big ones. You know, right, X-Men right, right. I read a lot when I was a kid. Right, right. But this is, you know, Deadpool's a character I've read a little bit about. Mm. I know, I, I think that it's interesting they went for that hard R, because the comics are sort of like, Hard PG thirteen bridging mm-hmm. on R, you know, like yeah. the comics don't go full on into the like the like the language and the sexual content, which I'm understanding that the movie has a lot of like, you know, dick jokes and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, and it's like, and so it's like a part of me in the anticipation of this movie, I was sort of dreading the, the kind of juvenile humor side of it. Like there was a part of me that thought this movie seemed like it was for. Uh, you know, 14-year-olds or something who are going to think that... But but the more that I've heard from people who've seen it is yeah. that it's actually funny. Yeah, it really is. And that the stuff is. actually lands. I mean, because it's not hard to picture Ryan Reynolds doing well with that type of snarky, winking at the camera Absolutely. I mean, type of role. Literally, because it yeah. seems like that's what he does really well when he's in a comedy anyway. Yeah. So, so to me, it's like, it's not one that's been on my radar in a big way, but everything I've heard about it, it just seems fun. And, every, you know, like you and other people I've known who saw that advanced screening said... Yeah, you know, they had a blast with it, and to me, that's just like it reminds me of. You're talking about a movie that people, you can go into cold, and you just believe these characters. Like I remember, uh, you know, people. Guardians of the Galaxy was a movie that no one really had yeah. much of an association with those Absolutely. characters. And five minutes in, you're you're buying into some pretty far fetched stuff because a lot of the charm of the acting. Yeah. So it seems to me like getting that type of actor who's going to be the like. A real champion for this movie, like Ryan Reynolds seemed to seem to really want to do it, especially after, funnily enough, getting a chance to play the same character in uh, X Men Origins yeah, Wolverine, Wolverine, which was a mess of a film and a total bungling of this character. Even knowing what little I knew about him, I knew that he was supposed to be this smartass character who breaks the fourth wall 
and in the comics talks to the reader the fact that in that that wolverine movie they they had him like without a mouth where he couldn't talk it just didn't make any sense it was just like they were deliberately taking a shit on the notion of the character and that was again not even a character i i cared that much about but i was like this is strange so it's odd that a character an actor a that an actor gets this many chances at a like a superhero franchise (laughs) yeah really And, and and here's the thing really quick they make fun of every single. Oh, I'm sure of that they do. Movie, and it is, it is. Oh, it's so oh, funny. It's so good the way they do it. Oh. But like, but how odd that, that it get to come back. Yeah, he gets to do this after yeah. kind of you know starring in Green Lantern, which did nothing for anybody at all. Yeah. So it comes back with this movie that there, that is an odd film that the studio is putting a lot of faith in. You know, I guess it didn't cost a ton of money, no. but it, they, you know, it's been pretty heavily marketed. I just think that's really interesting. Like yeah. that, I'm very interested in the way the project came to be, and the fact that it seemed to be that that scene that leaked that sounds like it's yeah. the scene that opens the yeah. film. I think the response to that it really seemed to make a huge difference in this case because they sort of knew they had people ready for this I, odd movie before uh, they sunk a lot that's of. That's literally what into did it. it. He, I, he was I, talking I, about it at the press conference. That was like a Denmark press conference. Yeah, he's been like doing all the every every place Everyone. he can talk about. Yeah. It, he says like. It's just um, that that happening, mm-hmm. and there's no doubt in my mind that one of them leaked that clip. Like, yeah. there's no way in hell anybody else did, and he and he's and he's kind of like sort of winked at that recently. Yeah. Um, he was I saw him doing like an interview, and he was like, "I'm pretty sure, I'm seventy percent sure that I did not leak that, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that either myself or one of the writers <laughs> or somebody did that, but right. I'm not sure." And it's just funny because like you, they had to have. It's, yeah. it's 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 like you know when it came out, it was really like a. Let me show you that you're wrong, that this movie can't be made, and then we'll make the movie because people are excited about it. And mm-hmm. I mean, this movie got made really quick, if you think about the, the gestation of it. Like, when that yeah. clip came, leaked, it was not even two years ago, yeah. you know, roughly. Yeah. And, you know, and a year later, they're talking about it at Comic-Con, and a year later, it's it's out in theaters this week, you know? Yeah. So, um, it's definitely a go-ahead go ahead for me. I mean, I think even if you're not in the comic book movies... Even for Valentine's weekend, I feel like if you and your partner are both open-minded and looking for like a fun movie, mm-hmm. even you know one of you maybe love comics and one of you actually like a, a like some sort of like a love story. I feel bad saying that because I feel weird saying that about a Deadpool movie, but really like it works so well in this movie. The relationship between him and uh, and his fiance, uh, I can't, I can never Maria Marina background, but yeah, who I think is great in the film, and uh, they're like little. They're a little like they're a little back and forth about like how bad their lives are. It's like a running joke through the whole movie. It's mm-hmm. just it's just so funny and so it's like sweet, but yeah. it's like dirty. You know, it's, just, it's it's really fun. Right. Well, I mean, it's interesting that this movie, and again, not having seen it, I I can only assume just based on what everyone's saying yeah. that it does. It is also carving out its own little niche. Like it's a it being a hard R, you know, super violent. Sounds like there's plenty of sex and and. That kind of stuff. It just seems like it's yet another superhero movie that sort of shows you that there is no real, abi- there's no like overriding genre of superhero films. It doesn't have to be right. right. Well, I mean, like that we look at all the films that we've talked about. Typically, they have some angle that makes them different. You know, yeah. that like Ant Man is a heist film, and 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 Winter Soldier is a political thriller kind of. You know, even though they still have these basic things, like even Deadpool has to bear. The, the burden of an origin story yeah. and you said it's got the same villain problem that all the superheroes yeah, that, that, have I, I would say my only gripe with it and I mean it's not even that bad because it, the way the movie is framed it's really the movie taking place over really like two or three scenes and when we say a villain problem just to clarify yeah. we mean the kind of that there will sometimes be a, 
everything will be really firing on all pistons, and the villain's just kind of a cardboard figure that has sure. to be cut down. By yeah, this sorry, yeah, that, character. That, that's what we mean. Yeah, like, and I just feel like the, but the reason that it's not a huge problem in this movie is what I was getting at is that like they handle the origins part of it really well by like basically having the movie framed around really two or three major scenes okay. that have flashbacks. At, at these interstitials like that relate to each scene that kind of piece together everything for you mm-hmm. so where the villains do come into play the main villain um his name's ajax you know he's like the the main reason that he is the way he is as, as the film tells us but oh, he, it, oh, he's directly related to deadpool's origin yes exactly spoiler folks so so but i mean that, that that's where they pull in and I mean that that happens in like the first like couple minutes of the yeah. movie, but anyway that that's how they tie it together. That that's how he stays relevant through it, which is why it's mm-hmm. not as bad as some other movies where like the villain just goes away for like a half an hour of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in this film, I think while it still bothered me how undeveloped his character was, he was still like present in the movie enough that like I didn't think it was as bad as some other films. I don't know. Nothing's coming to mind right this second. But I think most of the films that we've liked, they've still found some way to make it integrated. But I think that like you think of something like the one that always sticks out to me is Thor the Dark World. Yeah, I just think the same thing. They just had the most bland version of a villain, you know. Exactly. Like most of the other films that I've really liked, even if the villain isn't as developed, at least there's some you can piece together a story for why the villain did what they what were doing. doing. Yeah. But it can still seem like you know, I mean, I guess what it's it's very true in these films. They're, they're often the hero is more developed because that's the character that carries the franchise, and that's what has to you know the villain's there for for one one thing. So, so do you have much of a, a history with the character of Deadpool from yeah, the comics? You've read I a lot of them. A bunch. Yeah. Uh, so your expectations, like you, you you could have been disappointed if this yeah, movie bungled. I mean, it. I know I know that it's gonna. It, it's one of those things where like you, I've seen enough that unless there's stick figures <laughs> with like I don't know poop smeared all over mm-hmm. the screen mm-hmm. that I'm going to like the movie. I mean, Don't tell about that movie, one scene, Steve, where <laughs> right. they turn into stick figures with poops. Considering this movie was shot is like a fourth of what a, what a action movies, uh, you know, comic book movies normally shot. It was $50 million. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's it's if this does well, it's going to do something very interesting it further opens up the idea that like you don't have to spend 200 million dollars to make Mm -hmm. it look amazing to make it feel amazing to make it authentic and then uh it might open up some of the lesser known heroes because that was one of the things that ryan reynolds talked about two things um when the clip leaked fox announced like within a week and a half that that movie was coming out in two years and they didn't tell them which mm-hmm. was really interesting. So they had plans for it. It, it made a big enough buzz, that clip. Mm-hmm. And then also the idea that, like, again, shoestring budget, looks beautiful. You don't have to spend that much money mm-hmm. on a movie to look good. And then Fox might... He had access to something like 3,000 characters because... Fox still has access to, like, the, the X-Men world. Anything that's associated with the X-Men. Yeah, right? which and is And there's nuts. a lot of... Yeah odd little characters they can bring into these films. It's yeah, like C so and D-list characters that right. barely even show up, but they're part of that package. Which right? can kind of do the sort of Iron Man effect where you you have a cool uh, character that can become very popular. Like Deadpool, who the fuck knew about Deadpool before this? Right. For, for the casual. Right, and, 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 and yeah, I could say I'm that guy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I've heard the name. 
I'm aware of it yeah. because, really though, only because of where we are with these comic book movies. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you hear the names now kind of popping up everywhere, like, oh, there's going to be a Black Panther movie, or there's going to be a whatever movie, you know what I mean? Like, because some of these characters that I, I probably am not super familiar with, I'm only becoming familiar with because of, like, what you're saying, like, yeah. how big Iron Man got. Yeah, right, or right. the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy is probably my favorite film out of the, exactly. these Marvel exactly. movies, you know, yeah. or whatever. So it's a good point that, like, I think it does represent something where, like you're saying, the movie is like made for like fifty million dollars. Like it's probably one of the yeah. cheapest hero movies in a long ever, time. maybe, long or, time, or yeah. of the relevant ones recently. So I mean, really, what it could do by being like you know kind of this unique thing, it really could like open up something where it's like we don't have to have these Marvel characters that are like the most well known things ever, or these DC mm-hmm. characters yeah. that are the most well known things ever. It could just be like a really fleshed out, funny. Or whatever the unique thing is about that character, that B or C list character. And I feel like that's the same thing that the um, <clears throat> the Netflix Marvel shows yeah. have kind of showed you. Ah, is that definitely. you can have that kind of street level violence and that kind of, you know, simple story and, and just do it well. Just do it with a certain level of style and yeah. people are going to respond to it. And actually people are going to be happy to see these characters that they love brought to life in a way that doesn't have to support... Some giant CGI monstrosity, you know, every right. time it comes out. So. Right. Well, one thing that might come out of it too is uh, <laughs> another thing. Ryan Reynolds was. I watched like three of those things. Uh-huh. One thing he was talking about was like Fox did not let him use very many characters because they thought he was basically going to ruin it. Right. Yeah. So like Colossus was like they fought for that, and then he kind of brought up the point that like Colossus was like terrible in the, yeah. the X Men movies, but. I think if he proves that if if they can prove at the box office that it's a thing, then maybe that could be like a a Wolverine sort of tie-in because Wolverine has a big. I think Wolverine place. and Deadpool in the same film. Would that that it would almost seems up. inevitable at this point? Yeah, but but what they would have to do is is get. I mean, Hugh Jackman is supposedly doing one more Wolverine film, and yeah. that's it. But you know, if they have a fun script and it's a good, he would do like, it. Like, because my impression is this Deadpool universe is like a, a a a they can sidestep the the continuity and the trappings of all the X Men stuff in yeah. other films, sure, and just have someone show up and yeah. fight Deadpool or be involved with him for one of his capers or something, yeah. and then they go. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. The tone of Deadpool seems like it shouldn't have to sustain that other right like rather than throwing him into an x-men film it yeah, seems like someone absolutely. should come and play i mean again come in his work, I, bear yeah, in mind yeah. i haven't seen it but from what you've said it sounds like enough of a departure that you could just have like he shows up and there's a fight fight happening it and, really could and somebody that it he really recognizes could. there but like they would just be antagonized by him and then in the end be like wanting to kill him and then yeah. he would run off or exactly. whatever you know live really to cool. live to be an asshole another day which it, is that would that would totally work like and they don't need to do more than that i guess is what my, my point. i would love to see that man yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if man if they, I would, if they could kind of get that together if, yeah. if it happened but. one of my favorite comic books is i mean deadpool kills a marvel universe mm-hmm. where he basically goes and kills everybody like chops their heads off mm-hmm. then in the end he goes to the marvel like studios where they're making a comic book and like has like a deep conversation about everything that's going on like he goes to the writers it's so weird like it's very like see normally that kind of like hyper violent character doesn't really do that much for me because i guess what i'm saying is i'm not reading comics or seeing these comic book movies going i want somebody to come in and chop heads off or i don't need to see that like i'm fine with the sort of pg-13 level of the violence or whatever but i love I love in movies seeing something kind of fresh and new that I haven't seen before. So right. to me, it almost seems like this character, like throwing that voice into the super serious world of these movies almost seems like 
more of a shoe in even than in the comics. Like yeah. in the comics, you know, it, sometimes it's funny and sometimes like Deadpool is written to be sort of an annoying guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah, in the definitely. comics, people are always saying "shut up" and they don't yeah, like yeah, his yeah. jokes or whatever. So like to build a movie around that, it's like oh yeah, it could easily not work. But the fact that you're saying it's funny and you seem to be I nodding really, at these character traits I'm mentioning as I, though they they did keep that aspect of the fact that he's not he's supposed to be sort of like a thorn in the side of almost anyone he comes into contact deals with. with absolutely yeah. And everybody kind of has that like chi- like that kind of chip on their shoulder about him. You yeah. know, it's like there's like. All right, you know, like there's yeah. like that, like all right, shut up, kind of thing going on yeah. with most of the characters that he interacts with. The other thing I really want to say quickly before we move on to the next film is that um, the best Stanley cameo. Oh, oh yeah, I've heard film. that. Yes. Okay. And and we'll know love. why you love <laughs> that when we see it. You will know okay. why right. immediially. Uh, I'm thinking yeah, this is a hard R. So I'm. Is, yeah. Is Stan getting something shoved up his ass? I don't know. Okay. I'll, I'll say yes and I'll say okay. no. <laughs> but okay, yeah, but definitely. Uh, I'm actually very interested to see what you guys think. If no, you I'm, to check I'm, it out I'm looking forward weekend, to yeah. it. Like I'm looking forward to just having a fun time with it. You know, which is which is. I don't all see I how ask. you could not have a fun time. Yeah, really, truly don't. Like I said before, even if you're not somebody that like cares about the character at all, yeah, and just stumbled into the movie like with your significant other, mm-hmm. it'd be like, oh, this is kind of this is like really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I stuff. love a self-contained one. I love one that that like you said that brings in like people that don't have to have any foreknowledge of. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it works for sure. So. so, yeah, we're employing our rating system on this yeah, yeah. episode. Go ahead. This is a go-ahead. This is a definitely go-ahead. Well, let's maybe pull up one that we've all three seen. Um, you know, maybe on uh, the other side of our rating system. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, let you know, for just a moment, I know we've talked on this show about we're all three sort of Ben Stiller appreciators or softies for, oh, yeah. the, softies for when Absolutely. he's done great things. I definitely. mean, some of my favorite things he's done are like, <laughs> like movies that are amongst my favorites, things yeah. I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... It this movie was I thought Zoolander two like it it I mean it seems like it had all the trappings of of what Ben Stiller does but it was it was not for me a matter of like a movie that just was horrible it was just a movie that never it just never came together for me like it never felt necessary it never felt like it needed to be like I laughed like there were four or five things that I laughed pretty hard at but outside of that I mean I think for this type of film yeah that's not a very good oh rate, no oh you no. Know? And so there were some That's jokes that, that you recognized as jokes and didn't laugh at. And then there's other jokes that just lay there. Um, and so I guess, yeah, Zoolander 2, we, none of us were fans of it, I don't think. Does this not stand as one of those great examples of why comedy sequels are risky? That it, going back to the well... A is great kinda, example. You used a word the other yeah. night after the screen. You said it seemed kind of desperate. Yeah. And it's like, it does seem that way. But I That's well, the worst thing that you could use to describe yeah. a movie like this. Like, you know... It, it, you walk out saying like that was like something fresh about it or like revitalizing or it's yeah it's just that like uh, being the guy that's usually down for sequels remakes whatever like it's like Ugh. I think you're right the comedy genre is like one of the hardest to mine it I just is. think especially with a movie when there's so much distance in my opinion when mm-hmm. there's so much time distance between when the first one and the second one comes out I really feel like it's somebody saying. We're going to find a whole new demo, a whole new age group of people that are going to think these jokes are hilarious. Right. But the people that saw the original one are probably going to make up the majority of the people seeing this movie. Yeah. You know, and if if you just go back and, and show us a lot of the same jokes um, or a lot of new jokes that, like you said, like they don't like hit at all, like they just fall flat, it's, it's not serving anything. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's just like this false perception of like it's okay to do the same thing for the sequel because a lot of people – 
will experience this for the first time. Like, or, or a lot of people, this is like, what they want. Like, yeah. Because I was, you know, I was never a huge fan of Zoolander. But I did, like, over time, I would see it or I would be reminded of a joke. Yeah. When we did our uh, Best Cinematic Idiots episode, we talked yeah. about that one a little bit. And so I would have this kind of affection for it. But uh, a friend of mine and I were talking about this, and we actually brought up another comedy sequel that, that was a big disappointment to me, which was Anchorman 2. Yeah. It's very much the way I felt. I felt like this movie was very much on par with how I felt about Anchorman 2. And Dumb and Dumber 2. Dumb, yeah, Dumb and Dumber those, 2. Those three are which my is like, I have Which is like, down, in yeah. reference to just how it... I mean, you know, there's that whole thing about whether sequels tarnish the legacy of the original. And I think it's foolish to think it wouldn't when you've got all the original players coming back and everybody's throwing themselves into it. But let's say movies exist on their own. What is it about some of these movies? I, mean, I, would, th I would say amongst those movies, like I, Anchorman is one of my favorite comedies. Dumb and Dumber is really solid film. Yeah. I, I, I don't put Zoolander quite in the league with those other two films as a film. But in terms right. of like gag for gag, I think that it has a little bit more of a story. Mm hmm um, um, our friend Bob Rose, uh, was, we were texting about Zoolander 2, and he brought up the fact that the first movie in all these cases sets up the world and yeah. spends a certain amount of time introducing how dumb these characters are. Mm -hmm. And then you go into the second one just knowing already yeah. exactly that that's the joke. That, yeah. And I think that with Zoolander 2, you really felt that of like, it was introducing it maybe to people that hadn't seen the first one, but really it was basically saying, hey, remember these guys? Well, here they are. And... I and think, they're still stupid. And they're yeah. going, and and then it makes that going back to the well seem desperate, as yeah. you were saying, as opposed to the first time you see these characters, where even if the movie's not that great, you're carried more along just by the the power of the jokes. Yeah, and the and the fact that it maybe not as a is not a great movie, you're not as worried about because you're laughing and you're going, I, you're getting something that you haven't seen before. Yeah, so sure. it just seems like, you know, like why, like to me, the only thing. Like, if it had been a different tone or been trying to do a different sort of thing entirely as a movie, maybe it would have played better as a return. I think sequels in general are better if you're telling a different story. Yeah. But the fact that it went over, it just like seemed like it was there to repeat so many of the things, like right right into the villain, the yeah. ultimate villain of the piece being the villain from the first yeah. one. When you had these, you know, I thought Donatari was a funny character, the, the new kind of designer that yeah. they bring up. And then Kristen Wiig... I mean, all she was was just a goofy-looking face and a funny accent, but like that yeah. was something new. And to see how everything just doubles back into rehashing the first one, film, yeah, it just feels like you would like to think they would have more of an idea. And I remember feeling that way and saying that after Anchorman too, just that I had been like they would come back after eight years or whatever it was. You would think they would have had more of a concept. Yeah, like, like what? It, yeah, like it's it's just like this thing. Like what? Like that's what you came up with, right? You know, yeah. like all of these people that are involved in this film or these films that we're talking about, like pool of talent like truly talented yeah. individuals yeah and like i don't know I, I have trouble just like thinking in my mind like how they would make this movie and be like yeah we're proud of this yeah like this is good you know what i mean like mm -hmm. or is it just like uh we'll make it and who fucking cares you know like yeah. what it is you know it's a zoolander sequel or it's an anchorman sequel like let's not take it too seriously right you know to actually worry how great this movie is but there should be some care in that. I mean, I'm not. I don't know. If, I'm not saying they didn't do that. But no, I know what you're saying. We can't say that they didn't try. But you're. But it does seem like, like I said, you just would think they would have have a. They would have a better idea. That what would bring them back would be more of an idea rather than just a. I think we can get some more out of this name. I think that uh, I was watching an interview like these press rounds like with uh, uh, Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig, and they're just basically talking about this guy's interviewing him. He's asking Will Ferrell like of all these movies that you've made, you know. Would you ever? He's like, I don't know what the context, but beforehand, but the clip is, you know, why haven't you made a sequel to Elf Two, mm -hmm. or why haven't you made a sequel to Elf? 
And he and Will Ferrell's response is just like you know he's like really feel like like you know that movie was just kind of like lightning in a bottle. It, it felt so right. Mm. It was really funny. Like it just it just was a really well thought out and rounded piece of you know good movies. Like everybody enjoyed it. In in some other words, he said that, but that's what he said. But in the same content, in the same conversation, he like then goes backtracks about like Anchorman two. Yeah, and he's in a movie promoting Zoolander two, being yeah. asked that question and answering. Basically, the way he's answering the elf question is just like, well, what happened with Anchorman? Yeah. What happened with Zoolander? I know that Zoolander's not not really your movie, but the other two really you're the, you're the star of them. But it's just like that mindset of like. Where did where did something happen when you were reading these scripts for Anchorman Two and Zoolander Two? Where you're like, those pass my test for why I'll right. make these and not Elf Two. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I, for the record, I hope they never make an Elf Two. Yes. But the Zoolander and the Anchorman types of films, you could see them making a sequel to them. You know, mm-hmm. I just feel like the the time is a factor, and same with Dumb and Dumber too. It's just like. I don't know. It's it's just a very weird thing. Like I had a really bad feeling going into it, and like 15 minutes into it, it just had that like feeling like, oh man, it just doesn't feel right at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. And and genuinely, like yeah, I laughed a few times, but mm-hmm. overall, I did not find it funny. It was uncomfortable, well, and, and I well, thought it was boring. I mean, the the audience that we saw it with was not with it with with the film, and that always infects when you're watching a movie. That can really. That really starts to weigh yeah. on you, I think, yeah, yeah, when yeah. you're like yeah. looking around and you're going, wow, people aren't getting this. I was actually put off right from the start, and I guess we can talk a little bit about the <clears throat> opening of the film, because this is the first five minutes of the film, and it was a gag that was spoiled in the trailer, right? which is Justin Bieber getting killed. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the movie really thought, I mean, this you mentioned, the word you said when we stood up was dated, Ronald. Yeah, um, dated. Yeah, listeners don't know this was this was like a return to form for us that we all we all three sat down. We all we all three. <laughs> yeah. we, we were all at the same screening. Yeah. Uh, we're here talking about it on the day that it comes out. This is this is right. this is the way we used this to do return to form. Movies, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like so, like that feeling that we have of like standing up and being like, let's not talk about it too much because we're going to record about yeah. it in a couple of days. But you said about how dated it was, and I really do think it's hard to define what that is. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Will Ferrell is like his. His moves have gotten kind of dated. Yeah, I think that yeah. the concept of what what Zoolander is poking fun at is like a dated concept of fashion, and the movie teases poking fun at like things that have happened in fashion since the first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't seem like it really wants to deal with that. It wants to yeah. get to the same jokes. So that kind of dated aspect, I feel like that does infect like this. Uh, that's my fault. Oh, okay. uh, it does infect like the the style of joke that you're telling. It infects like the kind of reaction you're going to have. And right from that opening scene with Justin Bieber getting killed and, you know, the camera kind of lingering on him getting blown up by machine gun um, bullets, it's like... That was not funny. It was not funny. And I think we were supposed to all be laughing and pumping our fists because we all hate Justin Bieber, right? Yeah, yeah. But I feel like we've all, maybe in the last two or three months, we've kind of moved past. Like, yeah. it was fun yeah. to pick on Justin Bieber for a while, but now that yeah. we all kind of see, like, he's just another pop star, he's not, like, taken over or anything, he doesn't need to be taken down a peg. It's just one more way that the like that was right out of the gate. The movie to me saying, it's tr- it's trading on a joke that might have been funny a year ago, a year and a half ago. Seeing Justin Bieber get blown away would have been like a catharsis. Yeah, but yeah. it just didn't feel that way. Yeah, and th- it felt like it actually was. It lingered on it in a way that felt kind of almost. I mean, I'm not saying I was offended, but it, it's like it seemed almost kind of unseemly to be like, why are we lingering on killing this guy like we hate him? I mean, you know, obviously Justin Bieber was up for the joke. He's yeah, a guy yeah, who yeah. likes to apologize and say i'm a shit I'm or sorry. whatever yeah i'm sorry for being a terrible person yeah um 
But uh, great song. Yeah. But my point being, that was the first indicator to me that okay, this movie might be not just trapped in you know 2001 but it might be trapped in 2013 which is probably worse yeah. by today's standards yeah, yeah, yeah. humor is a really hard thing to like capture and i think that part of it has to do with the idea that like it's kind of the idea that like you you have a going gag you you and your friends might do a thing where like you slap each other in the yeah. shoulder and like hey i got you buddy yeah and then that third person comes in and like punches you in the balls like fuck you and what right. and it's just the idea that like humor is very different for people you're running with a rough crowd ronald yeah well the idea though the the (laughs) idea though is like the things that made humor has changed quite a bit in movies in the past 10 years well it slowly evolves all the time yeah you know yeah so so like just say like two years there's a jump and then 10 years when's and and what's happened is like uh, there there are a lot of people holding the torch that are out of touch Oh, Will yeah. Ferrell, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ben Stiller, um, those people are very funny, but it's it's kind of like the idea of Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler now is the man. He once he, he once was going against the system with the type of humor that he had. Now he is the man. Yeah. He's a person making the movies yeah. now, yeah, 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 and yeah. that creates. A complacency. Yeah, he used to play like an underachieving yeah. schlub, and now he's like a guy who way overachieved exactly. for what he's capable right. of. It creates it <laughs> creates complacency in terms of like what you want to do for pushing the envelope, what he, what your humor is, who you're willing to listen to, and and I think that what happens is like when you have people like Will Ferrell, who tells Will Ferrell that he's not funny? Well, yeah, we. I, who tells? I mean, ben my thought Stella is that, that he would probably be willing to work extremely hard to find the joke and to find the funny yeah. but it does somebody seem has like, to tell them though on, i mean but i mean this set like will ferrell's not the problem in this film no definitely no, not. but yeah, i'm but, just saying but, but it has but that tone that he's part of mm-hmm. it's like i mean i feel almost bad beaten up on a movie that should have had no real expectations oh, it going to into up. it but but the the celebrity cameos particularly all the fashion designers and stuff mm-hmm. that stuff is just so Fucking Talk stupid. about stuff that just falls flat. Yeah, like, no, I don't give a shit about that. I don't care that. if you got Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah. or or anybody. Like I don't care. Like because they can't act, they can't deliver a joke to save their lives. Yeah, and you know the film is going to lean on that to say, "Can you believe we got Anna Winter?" You know. Oh my yeah. god! And give her like five lines oh of dialogue, and every one of them is a, is a complete piece of shit. The yeah. way she delivers it. Yeah. And also we. Texted back and forth about this, Ronald. The the kind of like fat jokes. The fat shaming is is a little bit. It's just a come little on, bit out of step. Come on, it, it, they, not fat. to say that you can't like everything should be up for grabs with humor. Yeah, but it's like I as as a like I was telling Ronald as a person who has embraced the words portly and burly and stout. <laughs> I still cringe when the word fat gets thrown yeah. around on screen, especially when it's thrown at a child actor who, regardless of how funny he may be, yeah. I, can't, I, I find it very hard not to picture him internalizing that or other yeah. people internalizing that or whatever. It just, yeah, it just seems, again, I'm not, I, I, I'm not Mr. Politically Correct, and I don't think you are no. either, but I think we like to think of like picking your targets intelligently, yeah. and that just feels to me like the joke is that Derek Zoolander is shallow yeah. and is disappointed that his son is fat, but you still have like fifty times that someone says fat or yeah. chubby or whatever. But and Ben Stiller has always not liked fat people. It's I'm, been a thing, man. From that fat camp movie to like <laughs> it's it's a thing. It's been a thing forever. And it's it like the problem is 
it's it's like that Donald Trump thing where like you say he's saying why he feels, but like it doesn't translate well. Yeah. Well, I just, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like I, I feel like it's just like one of those bad things. Now it's I don't I'm just like an asshole saying. No, this, you won't. Like, no, like but like people just like oh. Making fun of somebody who's fat, it's easy. It's easy. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a, funny. It's a low-hanging fruit. You know, yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and, and, yeah, I mean, okay. And, so even if you're not offended, the fact that it's a it's a well, like, it, it's disappointing to go back to that well again and again. Yeah. And again. Exactly. You know what it reminds me exactly. of? It reminds me of Ricky Gervais, who's like, does things that I love, but then he also does this super lowest common denominator stuff that it's like, I don't find it that funny. <laughs> right, right, Like, right, I mean, right, again, right. there was a time, maybe... Maybe five years ago, maybe ten years ago, especially, it was funny to see the douchebag haranguing everybody. But I feel like, I mean, again, and it's not a matter of being politically correct. It's a matter of just kind of culturally moving past that joke of aren't we amused at the guy who's an asshole to everyone? Right. I think now we're kind of saying like, no, we're kind of tired of the guy who's an yeah. asshole to everyone. You know, I never, man. When I saw, it's so weird. I would have felt like six years ago, seven years ago, I would have loved what he did to Mel Gibson. Mm -hmm. It was fucking terrible. Just awkward. This is awkward. It wasn't yeah. funny, man. Like, I, I just think there's a thing where, like, again, again, like I said, just think about who these people were and who they've become. Mm -hmm. And there's something something gets missing. It's, it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's something about the way money isolates you. And success isolates you. It isolates you, and then you stop being the common man, and you miss something. And you know, some people, or, are, or or your or your or your like concept of what is still relevant is like stuck in that part before you exactly. cross over. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, and, that, it's, and that's these guys. It gets stunted. About. It gets yeah. stunted. It's like it's like man, I love Eminem, mm -hmm. love Eminem, but hearing Eminem rap is so weird now, because he's like doing these controversial things, like. Oh yes, yes, yes. He has this 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 line that goes, um, Hillary Clinton. Uh, <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing to look at you if you're willing to face subpoenas or something like that. Or, That's clever. It's I a guess. weird like penis joke or something like that. But the idea is like, remember why we like this guy because yeah. he was like controversial and crazy. But like when you become if you're at the top of the hill and you're doing it now, mm -hmm. it's not as funny anymore yeah, yeah. something's lost in it and you have to reinvent yourself you have to do something different but can anyone mm -hmm. can anyone maintain it, 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 <clears throat> the only person i can really think of a couple this is so random prince so random i, I like that prince still makes music that doesn't sound like it like fits into something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he does what he wants. He does yeah. what he wants. And he's he's an auteur and it actually dovetails uh, nicely with the next film we're going to talk about, which to me it's like I like it when somebody can do the thing they do and they've carved out a space uh where they get to do the, they get to make the like the, the Coen brothers is who I'm referring to, but like oh, yeah. I like those artists who they get to do the thing that they're going to do. Right. Yeah. And like right, they've right. figured out a way to make it work that they get to do the thing that, that they want to do. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that certain people, like, datedness doesn't come into play with people like that because yeah. they never were trendy, necessarily. Absolutely. You know oh, what I totally. mean? Yeah. And I think that, like, the one thing that, before we leave Zoolander 2, the one thing that I think that Ben Stiller does well, um, uh, that this movie had in it, that, again, was kind of wasted on it in a way, but I love the way he, like... And this was something that uh, our, our mutual friend Bob Rose also kind of pointed out to me. But, like, he pokes fun at overproduction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way that's pretty fun. It still is pretty funny. But I felt like this movie was the first time that he was poking fun at, like, 
overproduction circa ten years yeah. ten years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Like it felt, but but it still is funny to see the text come up on the screen and the cheesy. You know, it's like Ben Stiller's really good at that side of things, yeah, definitely. that sort of satirical side of things. I just really wish that the jokes and the overall story and ideas in this had been sharper. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. It was, it was good to see him again. It was good to see Owen I Wilson again. Him, I actually man. didn't realize how much I kind of missed seeing Owen Wilson in a, in yes. a big role. Um, <clears throat> and there's, like I said, there's maybe four solid laughs, and then a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. Just we rehashed. counted them. There's four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just four moments. <laughs> the entire fucking movie that we were like, huh? everything else was silent. It yeah, was really it was, it was weird. awkward. A lot of awkward. So scenes. we're calling this a. This is this is a. Uh, what is it? Uh, it's a, not, it's go ahead. Don't hold up. Hold up. And. Uh, Oh shit! Oh, What's shit. the last one? I thought. I mean, no, hold up is don't go see it. Yeah, yeah. Wait for, a wait for it. it. Yeah. yeah so it's the ahead middle one. Is is go go out and see it. Wait that would for be it. Deadpool. Is wait for and uh, and we're saying that right, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the other one we said that? Well, we haven't said that yet. We both have a we both have a go ahead on uh, Hail Caesar, I believe. <laughs> okay. And then we're saying uh, hold up. Um, yeah, I gotta have a solid hold up to Zoolander, Zoolander too. Interesting. But yeah, so Hell Caesar. Uh, mentioning the Coen Brothers. I think it's hard to see a Coen Brothers film without thinking of other Coen Brothers films. Yeah. Without thinking of how it fits into their catalog. Mm -hmm. um, you were saying earlier it was to you good. And you weren't by that you're saying you've capped it at good. Uh, you know. But does that mean good for a Coen Brothers film? And which therefore means it's ahead of good for the average film, or do you are you saying well, just that's really important? Yeah, that's a good that's a good distinction. Well, I, so here's the thing: sometimes, man, I don't know because I have a lot of thoughts about Hell Caesar, but I don't know if I've, it's like I think it's a collection of great scenes. Yes. I don't think it comes together in a okay. much. Yeah, However, yeah. I think, and I'm not trying to do the thing that Steve hates, where you say it was deliberate, but I feel like this movie it doesn't feel like a lot of effort was. You don't feel like the movie's working that hard mm -hmm. to hang together. You okay. feel like it's allowing itself to be the series of these little scenes. It does have an arc, and it does have something wrapping around it that I think is actually pretty tight. But yeah. in terms of what happens in the film, it's not the caper that the trailer suggests to you. It's not one story that all these characters get involved in. Yeah. It's a lot of little fires that, that this Eddie Manning character played by Josh Brolin, yeah. he has to put out all these little fires. That becomes the story, yeah. is this is the guy who has to put out all these fires. But in the end... Uh, it's got that Coen Brothers kind of anti-climax thing going for it, which I know some people are going to go, what was that? Why yeah. did I watch that? Yeah. And then other people are going to say, oh, why did they do it that way? You know, and I'm somewhere between, and I know, and I feel I feel bad for you, Steve. Yeah. Every time I see one of these movies that I, that by someone that I love, that I enjoy so much, and I'm like, what, you know, what am I going to say to Steve? About this <laughs> well, this is a good example too, because like we've always talked about it. Like I, Something about the movie did not hook me. And yeah. I'm a Coen Brothers fan. Yeah. Like, I right, like right. almost all of their movies. I have, like, a hierarchy, like yeah. everybody does. But, I don't know, something about the trailers, the marketing of this movie... Didn't grab you. Did not grab me. And what's interesting, and you kind of mentioned it before, was, like, I was reading this article that came out this week about, like, mismarketed movies of the last ten years. Mm -hmm. And Hail Caesar actually was on the list. Just about kind of like what you just said about the what the story is actually mm -hmm. about not actually being what you thought it was from the trailer. Yeah, I think that's weird that like you have to do that for a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, like you know that that's not because I didn't know, I actually didn't know that until yeah. you literally just said that now. Mm -hmm. well, it was more about like Josh Brolin's character kind of like putting out these issues. That like come a, as yeah. studio fixer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's that guy. Sure that like all the stars stay out of the the scandal rag. Absolutely. And, all that stuff. and I get that, and yeah. that, that's still interesting to me. Mm -hmm. But it's like why why sell me on this like caper of of yeah. saving I, George Clooney? I think I know I think I know why. Why? Brolin is not a marketable dude. 
in comparison. In comparison to Channing Tatum and, and ScarJo but, and everything. Yeah, so yeah. so essentially what I think happened was they had this movie. I that, call her ScarJo. I don't know if you've ever heard <laughs> yeah. that before. I, Who I, looked I, amazing. I that. I'm oh, jealous of you. Had this movie <laughs> all polished up, <laughs> done, handed it to the studio, and they were like, oh, this is amazing. But guess what? Josh Brolin stars in this movie, yeah. and we can't sell this shit this way, no matter what. No matter, no, no matter how great he genuinely yeah, is, and he he's is great am, in this. He is amazing in this movie. He is a glue that holds it together. He is, and there's no way that you could, I, I can't go up to someone and say, hey, do you want to see a Josh Brolin? People are like, who? Yeah. Who the fuck is Josh Brolin? Get out of my face. You talk about that movie. Right. He's a big with, name to us. With Channing because, Tatum in it? Or? Because we've, you're right, you're right. It's, I mean, that, hard, it's a hard sell, man. But that goes into what I'm just saying, though. It's mismarketed. Like, it's you're looking at, like, the three names that you just mentioned. But that's so weird, though. Like, it kind of goes against, like, the right. whole, like, thing John was saying was, like, these are the Coen brothers. Like, you don't yeah. need to fucking screw yeah. up the marketing right. for the movie. I think another good example of a filmmaker that I think of when you were saying that was was, was P.T. Anderson. I feel mm-hmm. like he's a guy that just managed to make the movies that he yeah. wants to make. And yeah. they're kind of, like, they're kind of, like, bulletproof for most things. You know, they still do okay, and he still continues making them the way he wants to make them, mm-hmm. much like the Coen brothers do. So if they're casting... Josh Brolin to be the glue of this film. Why hide that? Yeah. I mean, I get it. I, I I agree with you for your answer, and yeah, I think yeah. that is the answer to the question. But it's like it made for it, a pretty it's like, weird, a me. pretty exciting trailer. I mean, I think that it is did. one thing. It like did. they edited it together. Like I know it didn't grab you, but for like I I saw it and was just like, like every little shot of every character turning around and having like yeah. a great moment. It like I got excited yeah. for it. You right. Know? So I can see what you're saying. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I would I'd be interested to look back at all their trailers and see what film is being sold there because I wonder if if that's something that I wonder if that's happened before and I just am not thinking that's a good of question. It, you know yeah. like like what what film was marketed versus what film did people get you, you, know? you, you okay. I'm sorry I was going to say just to close off the thing right. about the marketing is like in a case like someone like me who wasn't kind of pumped to see it or yeah. even mm-hmm. like if you read it's like Cinescore ratings like from opening weekend they're very low because that hurts a movie. It a does. Lot. Oh, it doesn't yeah. matter what the movie is. Exactly. It doesn't matter if it's a Coen Brothers movie. But like I think that like because people that are going to go see it aren't only Coen Brothers fans. Because if yeah. that was the fact, they wouldn't hide Josh Brolin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like there's a very, very fine line between misrepresenting a movie because you're going to go into it and you're going to go into it and like it. But the mm-hmm. people that they sold this movie to by making it like a heist kind of thing or, or whatever it is, like a, yeah, yeah. you know somebody's like kidnapped. They're gonna go in and like, what the fuck was this? Yeah, right. you know, and that—that's really what hurts the movie it even does. more than just giving it, giving it to us straight. Yeah, yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, and I know no, it's—I know, know there's a business part of it, and that always in the is in the back of my mind. But I really find that to be true for this because I don't know. I feel like I fall into that group of people in this case because I didn't get too excited about the trailers, but I would still go see it because it was a Coen Brothers film. Yeah, yeah. But it's weird to me. And it correlates directly with what you're reading about how this movie is a flop, mm-hmm. because it has it's going to have horrible word of mouth, especially with three huge movies coming or three big movies coming out this weekend. Yeah, that like a movie's getting word of mouth immediately after the theater. I think it was either like a C or D Cinescore, yeah. which is really, really bad. Also, the pace. Also, this is another thing too. I was thinking about. We saw Inside Lewin Davis. <clears throat> Inside Lewin Davis and Hail Caesar of all the movies they've done feel more like passion projects. Than any of the other ones I've previously seen. I would say a serious man is in. That oh yeah, serious man too. Yeah, yeah. But 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 something about the pacing of those mm-hmm. th- those three movies now that now that you mentioned a serious man is very different than True Grit 
and uh, No Country for Old Men, which are very straightforward mm-hmm. action sure, films. Sure, sure. And even Burn After Corky. Reading, Burn After Reading, Burn which after I would reading. say I would, yeah. I would put this movie in the same category as in a lot of ways. Right. In that really? a lot of people, well, only because a lot of people didn't like the way Burn After Reading kind of amounted to nothing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But, that, but I think the Coen brothers, I mean, I think it goes beyond saying like that's what they do. It's like there's a there's a meaning behind like we could we could do a different conversation about this movie and break down little moments and say what does this theme mean and how does this lay in like so many of their scenes their exchanges you could look at as in several different ways you know what i mean like it'll be a funny scene it'll be a silly exchange but there'll be some double meaning to the exchange that hints at a theme that you would have to kind of figure out and it's like i think half the time they're saying the joke's on you. Right, we we right. just want you to laugh at someone falling down. Sure. And then half the time they're saying, I mean, it's almost like they're saying the joke's on you, but also thank you for digging in because it's the jokes, the, the, their movies are frequently about how we're all fucked, you know, yeah, how yeah, the yeah. system is rigged. And I think this movie, like there's some moments in it that are just like, if, you, if, if it sounds like we're talking about a movie that doesn't quite come together, it still has some of the, like some, there's some scenes in this that are just super funny and just well done. Uh, what's the guy who plays uh, Hobie? Oh my uh, goodness! Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen him in anything, but he is the only like unknown actor in this, and he has a great role. And I think that he, I, I thought he was fantastic. Is that also that thing? That, okay, so very interesting about his character. That kind of idea that like Southern, this is it's a bad stereotype. Yeah, that Southern people are dumb, mm-hmm. and that's not what it is. Right? No, it's but just, they totally play off. Yeah, that. they. Yeah. Let's, oh God, man! Like they let you believe that he's a stooge because of one yeah, or two scenes, and then wonder. when you see him in another scene, and you see that he like he guesses almost exactly right. Well, I think that the movie we're getting at something else that I, I did want to mention. Some of the things that do set this movie apart because we're talking about how it's similar to all these other Coen Brothers films that kind of defy categorization yeah. and that might leave an audience going. What was that? Yeah. But like what it does differently, I think this is one of their warmest movies oh, towards yeah. the characters. Like it's got the lowest body count probably of a Coen Brothers film. <laughs> it does. And and you come out of it generally feeling like uh, these are a bunch of knuckleheads, uh, but they're going to figure it out, you know, as opposed to the utter like existential despair that sometimes a Coen Brothers, even a comedy can make you feel, sure. you know. And, and I thought that was significant because I don't think that that is without meaning. I think because this guy, this studio fixer, this Eddie Mannix, you know, we're depicting him as a, a nearly saintly man. Like, he goes to confession every day. The stuff he confesses <laughs> is not that bad at all. He's so, trying so hard to be a family man. He's trying to keep these movies on, on track. Fact, he does, yeah. like, rough some people up to try to get him on the, the right path. But in the end, he's presented as like, and he's based on a real guy who I don't think was a saintly man. I think the Coens are kind of, they're kind of saying that making movies is like, in this film, it's presented as like close to God's work. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And they're, yes. they're kind yes. of, by, by showing this guy in this kind of glowing light, they're sort of depicting him as like, you know that the real studio fixer in the in the 50s when this studio system was going on, you know that he wasn't like a nice man, a cuddly yeah, man right. like this sure, character. Sure. So that's almost like a subtle joke. And what's going on with who kidnapped George Clooney and what their their plan is, their mission, that is also something ripped from paranoid fantasy of of like the Red Scare. Count, yeah. Not the way, not nothing that ever actually happened. But if you ask people who were involved in the Red Scare and who were talking about the communist threat in the 50s, mm. what they were afraid of uh. is exactly what's happening in this film. So this movie like exists in the space of like mythologizing things. It doesn't pretend to be an exact 
depiction. Sure. Yeah. But then there are these movies within the movie that are are these like heightened fantasies, and you see how the people in the movie kind of get hypnotized by the magic of cinema. I mean, the movie's like a love letter to cinema, but at the same time, it's saying this is also bullshit. Josh Brolin is so good in it, man. Mm -hmm. And I was so pissed that, like you said, you saw the trailer and thought, oh, this is going to, I don't know, it's disappointing a little bit. Like, literally, here's how the trailer plays out to me. George Clooney gets kidnapped, and these other stars are, like, basically brought together like the Avengers to get him back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what the trailer sells yeah. the movie as. No, and, 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 like. and that would be a fun movie to see with these characters. Yeah. But seeing it and seeing it for what it is, the one complaint I have that, again, felt to me like I was hearing, I was voicing your complaint in my mind. Right. Is that there's no reason for Jonah Hill to be on that poster. Oh, my God. There's no yeah, reason I've heard for Jonah that Hill to every be on single that person that saw it. And again, I. His can, entire scene is like in the trailer, right? More or less. Yeah. Uh, but I can. Uh, I can understand why Jonah Hill would do anything the Coen brothers asked him to. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. And, and would pop up oh, just one scene. That's sure. fine. I'm that's fine fair. with that. I don't mind that. What I don't think, what I think is disingenuous is putting him on the poster. And maybe even putting him in the trailer. Yeah. Like maybe that too. But then if why? you. Yeah, I don't understand. That's but again, so that to me feels like that's the marketing, not the film. I don't sure. know what the Coens would have done with that. But the other part of that is it's easy to picture Jonah Hill being great, given a lot to do in sure. a Coen brothers film. So it's like you're sitting there wishing. Maybe he'll be in the next one. Maybe. Maybe they, this is his prime. They do tend to kind of cycle through people. Oh, totally. Like that. Yeah. You know, they'll have someone in a bit part. So, and I do like that. It's got I, it. It's stocked with with great roles. There's lots yeah. of little tiny bit because it's got that element of <coughs> a Coen Brothers film where every even the small roles are famous people. Yeah. Sometimes it works towards you not knowing what to expect from a character because someone pops up in the background and you go, oh, I don't know if that's going to be a main character or not. Right, right. But I, I do, like the the Jonah Hill bait and switch was the one thing where I was like, oh, okay, that was, like I wanted to see more with him in it. And and someone had told me before I saw it that he was barely in it. So I was, mm. like, I was prepared, but I would have liked to have seen, you know, just him be funny with their dialogue. But their dialogue's in great shape. I mean, that's, it, there's the scenes that are great, oh, yeah. the snappiness of the dialogue is, is fully in place um i would think that if you're a cohen fan this movie will will be a definite go ahead for yeah. you I, I i'm sure there are some people who would who would say don't need to rush out and see it mm -hmm. but you i know, think it's worth seeing i think it's worth seeing and in it the is movies, fun to see this type of movie this movie in particular seeing it on a, the biggest screen possible yeah. seems appropriate so. it's a beautiful movie yeah well guys before we wrap up this episode we actually have for the first <laughs> time ever i won't call these listener questions because these aren't people who necessarily listen to the show but on facebook today we we sought uh questions movie related questions from people to to just for us to try to address them on the show these are the people that like us or they like Sorry. you rather because yeah. I think you posted it I did post it but I yeah, tagged yeah. you tagged both right, of you right, so there's right. no telling did... so there's no official association with movie schmovie though mm -hmm. that's true <laughs> that's true we so actually, they're friends of one of the three of us. There's, they, they're people that we that w at least one of us knows. Right there we go. They found the us on Facebook, uh, and, and so we've got actually a few questions to go through. So I guess we'll try to we'll treat this like a speed round. But you know, get it if these if they turn into little subtopics, that's all right. Oh no! I'll start with um, uh, local uh, film publicist Kevin Perkins asks, "Why are local publicists so goddamn good looking?" I'll I'll, I'll throw this your way, Steve, because you are the one I'm of so, us who's, I'm so who's sorry. had the most Can, to do with. Uh, we gotta pause it for a second. I'm so sorry. So three before you go. Anyone listening, uh, this is a bit of a return to uh, a, a, a subplot in a previous episode where Ronald had to run to the bathroom. But what what you were just hearing there was the handoff. Steve gave him a little squirt bottle of poopery. Squirt. Yeah. 
Yeah, this this brilliant. We should be maybe we should pursue a sponsorship. Yeah, or right. Something like if uh, this works. This episode has been brought to you by Poopery. <laughs> this is a great test drive for this company. If it if it improves. Was it? Did he fall? <laughs> what was that? How strong are these mics? Uh, they're pretty good. All right, Steve, good. Actually, I was just asking you that question anyway. Um, you know, <laughs> since you've worked in in like film publicizing lo- locally, publicizing, you've worked in publicity. publicity. That's the word. <laughs> you've worked in uh, film publicity on the on the local level. What, what? Why are you guys so goddamn good looking? I wish I had the answer. Like it was maybe in the water kind yeah. of thing. But we we've come from many different areas. Uh, Kevin specifically. I, I'm not sure which one, but it's one of the Dakotas. Yeah. I want to say it's probably South Dakota. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe something out there. Um, He's good stock. Kevin's hair is really nice. Mm-hmm. I think I think good hair is probably, you know, you got to have good hair. I think he's got that in spades. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I don't know. The more publicizing you do of a film, mm-hmm. you basically absorb that film's oh. most attractive Interesting. actor's look. So it's Kevin my... has done so much publicizing that... Um, you know, he basically looks like a melting pot of every attractive that leading man. That must be why everyone was kind of steering clear of the box troll screening. Yeah, yeah, no one wanted they to were have afraid a part of, of absorbing that, yeah, that yeah, look. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. So yeah, we'll answer some more questions uh, after this quick break while we wait for Ronald to finish his natural business. No idea how long that's going to be. <laughs> so, so we're saying that Poopery... Did the job? Somewhat. I think Poopery did the job. I think though, Steve you know, followed Ronald uh, right after. Like it, the air was still I, I was, hot. In I there. was brave, and, and it was Steve very was hot. Brave. Still, it was very hot. It was a hot this, zone. This, this poor, <laughs> this poor bottle of spritz yeah. did a pretty admirable job, yeah. um, considering what it was up against, which was like basically like a wall wow. of, of horrible, horrible smells. <laughs> there was a noise that happened when you went in and like we couldn't tell if you fell yeah. or if that was like the initial blowout it, it sounded a, like it could be either I think one it was, the initial blowout. was it okay okay it's okay. like when <laughs> you know when um in uh cloverfield we heard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's that. like that oh, wow it's the initial wow <laughs> That's a good frame of reference that you're 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 you're, you're linking the initial blowout of your poop sessions to like a giant monster stepping around yeah. Manhattan. That shit that's that's out how, discovering what's in the mystery box. Yeah. yeah. You know. So that it's, monster shit out more monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Those monsters just <laughs> that's just the scent going around. Wow. Well, the, and the good news is you only missed one question. Right? Yeah, we, we took down one of them. So the next question is from Drew Alexander, who asked, what aspect of The Revenant uh, did you like the most, cinematography, editing, or story? Or I guess he's he's saying, or whatever. I think we need to change that and say you have to pick one of those three. Yes, okay, let's say favorite. it's got to be one of those three. I'll say cinematography. Cinematography. I'll, I'll, I'll third that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's, see, see how we do it? See, John? We yeah. can do it. One word answer. Lightning round. So this question comes from Matthew Arnold Pye, who asks, what is the worst movie each of you have ever seen? Wow. Ever seen? I know we could do a, a, whole, we could do a whole episode on the worst <clears throat> movies we've ever seen. We've never quite done that, you know? Ba- I, don't, I don't know. Baby's Day Out is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Baby's Day Out. Yeah, that was awful. I'm going to say Black Devil Doll from Hell, because <laughs> even though it's... Is that it's, the original or the remake? It's the the original. Okay, did you I'm see the, about the original? I didn't see the remake. You should. But I but to me it's it's more interesting, I'm sure. I'm sure the worst movie I've ever seen is actually a a boring dull film, you mm-hmm. know? But this film is the one that made me feel the worst after watching it and I I 
in order to see it, <laughs> I had to order the, the tape. So I owned it. And I've showed it to other people, and they felt bad afterwards. So I feel like for me, Black Devil Doll from Hell is the is a movie that, that like has a whole has a whole history of badness connected to it. Did, did you talk about that on an episode before? I think, or, or did it come up? You know, somewhere? I think when we did so bad, it's good. Maybe. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Maybe that was it. But I don't gotcha. know why. What I was thinking because it's it's it. I don't. I wouldn't say this. The badness takes it around to the other side, but I I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I I, I had I I can't think of anything on the spot but i guess in recent memory i truly 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 hated a million ways to die in the west mm-hmm. that that stands out to me that was awful. um as being pretty one of the points where like you know recently where i can remember actually wanting to leave mm-hmm. a movie which doesn't happen very often because i try to see everything i can like it's the kind of thing like where i like you know through through the working screening things that, that i do like you know i can't leave so you know so it's like i could walk out and just walk around and kill time but you know it's like uh it i don't know so recently i'd say in the past five years that's the only one coming to mind is that one i try to be a positive person and maybe we can do uh yeah. the worst movies we've we ever should, seen we should, episode. Yeah. maybe we can have matthew arnold pie on that episode yeah 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 um Next question from Gary Lucy. This question's really for you, uh, uh, Steve. My friend Gary Lucy out in L.A. asks, how not for kids is Deadpool exactly? That's a very good question. Oof, and man. now, Gary, I'm, I'm going to just give you also a little bit of information. I believe his son is 13-ish, somewhere in that zone. And and he if and, your son and, if your son is cool yeah you know like if your son is basically a thirteen year old version of John's son mm-hmm. which I'm gonna assume because you guys are friends um, <laughs> it may be a broad assumption I feel like there's a lot of like uh, culture sharing between those two guys so he might he might be I probably sound like a horrible future parent right here but I feel like I would probably I would probably take my kid to see it so yes it it, it, it is very R I mean I think it all depends on what you find in you know inappropriate I mean I think it's all a matter of so perspective, like, so like you at, know? at 12 or 13, though, it's the kind of movie that you would have watched on... Like, if you were at a sleepover at someone's house and they had HBO and this movie came on at midnight and the totally. parents were out of the room, Absolutely. you would have watched this when you were 12 or 13. Absolutely. Right? And Personally. You would be, and you would be fine. I think I'd still turn out okay. Yeah. And I wouldn't... And if I didn't, <laughs> it probably wouldn't be traced back to seeing Deadpool. Right. You know... This let me just clear. Like, it might be it, more it, a problem that your father seeks advice from idiots on a movie podcast. More importantly, <laughs> through a Facebook comment. Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, I, just to clear something, like it is a R movie, but I think it needs to be kept in perspective of like it's an R. It's not the hard R yeah. of movies. Oh, okay. It is an R movie, but it's a hard it's, R for this type of film. Exactly what I was yeah. going to say. It's a hard R for this kind of movie. So if your kid is soft and like loves like. <laughs> The, the cheapest, you the know, the, the, the cheapest chump. of the comic book movies. And, like, mm-hmm. that that's hard for them to watch. And, you know, in all seriousness, <laughs> if you're trying to be, like, a good dad and filter this out, if your kid, like, has a problem with watching comic book movies, mm-hmm. or, like, I don't know, what is one that pushes that boundary a little bit? Like, maybe uh, Winter Soldier was a little, like, edgier. That's exactly what I was going to say. I know, say. I read your mind. It, that's if, crazy. It, if it's a little edgier, mm-hmm. you know, like, if that's issue at all, like, with some of that action being a little too intense mm-hmm. probably probably wouldn't be appropriate yeah. but if your kid you know if your kid can hang like definitely go see deadpool i'm gonna feel bad he's gonna take his kid and his kid's gonna yes. like cry and he's, yeah. he's gonna be he's gonna feel guilt that's so weird man i was gonna say if winter soldier made your kid cry well yeah. yeah we're gonna have to start putting a disclaimer on this show that says if we do this again that says any advice that you if you act You're on not liable advice, for yeah it. we're not yeah. liable yeah you uh yeah yeah Okay, so the next question, uh, Kevin Holler asks, what's so great about Hateful Eight? 
people locked in a room trying to solve a problem interspersed with cartoonish puking and violence. These two things didn't mesh as well as you'd think. You know, Kevin, I don't know the answer to that because I don't think it's great. Yeah. I, I probably would side a little more with Kevin on this on this film. I mean, I think what people what most well people usually will always admire about Tarantino's films is the craft behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's really so many things that are um, like cinematography, the score, just the acting, the writing. And while and I, I'm, it's of my opinion that it's not up to par with some of his other stuff. Yeah. I think it's the same thing that we're talking about. Like, is it like a good Coen Brothers movie? Mm-hmm. Does that mean it's like not a not as good of a regular movie? You know. Yeah. But I think he's it's it's in this pool automatically of a Tarantino film, so it's automatically good in so many ways. And I feel like when people see it and they're like, it's better than good. People go nuts automatically, and yeah. I'm not saying you guys went nuts for it. Yeah, but I definitely probably of the three of us, I feel like I could probably say I liked it the least of the mm-hmm. three of us. I still did enjoy the film, but I think you know I kind of would agree with him and or Kevin and what he's saying. And, the elements and just didn't mesh. It that didn't. Well. It didn't click as well for me overall, like many of his other movies have. So I mm-hmm. myself have asked, like maybe I'm missing, like what is, excuse me, what is so great about it? And mm-hmm. I mean, the thing that stood out as great to me was more so when the, I liked the mystery element. Mm-hmm. Is really what kept me in it. If that wasn't there, I would have been. I would have probably been even more away from like this. This is a great movie. So mm-hmm. maybe you guys can. What what made it feel great to you? If if you well, even I, call it great, I, I enjoyed it. But I don't know that I thought that it was a perfect blend of all those elements either. I just thought. I mean, to me, it wasn't so much that I thought this is great because it's Tarantino. Yeah. What I thought was, oh, this movie exists because. Of, like people are excited about this film because of Tarantino's yeah, name. Yeah, you're right. And I yeah. think that he's a name brand director. It's related Definitely. to what we were saying about the Coens, Definitely. you know, that like people go see it because mm. they're in the mood for that director's work, and it's like a big helping of that. Yeah. So in that sense, I was satisfied with it. But as far as how it hung together throughout the movie, I was wondering like, is this going on too long, yeah. or is this really working? What would you say would be like the the main thing that really worked for you about Hateful? Uh, Dialogue. I think yeah. that's what gets me every time. I I, I don't think this mu- movie's perfect, but if I dare you to find someone who matches that level of like developing dialogue, I th- just think there's something really very good about what his characters bring to the screen, and you know, it kind of unfolded in the way that it did. I I didn't think it was his greatest work, but I really do like. Every movie I've seen, Tarantino's dialogue. So mm-hmm. that that would be the the piece that I'd say. It felt like a play. I mean, and I don't know if that's did, a good thing right. or a bad thing, but I really like dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you've checked out um, Louis C.K.'s new movie, uh, a TV show, Horace uh, and Pete. Horace and Pete mm-hmm. play style, lots of dialogue, yeah. and I think that's what kind of wins me over. I, I I like one place that I mean, I like good times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Norman Lear stuff. Which was very one place, lots of dialogue. Yeah, that's always going to win me over, and I, and that's not for everybody because that's not a normal place, a movie style. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Cool. All right, uh, Bob Rose, whose name has come up a couple times already in this oh, episode, uh, asks, "What aspect of Daddy Daycare did you like the most? Cinematography, editing, or story?" Um, I would say specifically Steve Zahn's story. Yeah, really would be my answer. Okay. I like Steve Zahn, man. I love Steve Zahn. I, I feel like he's never got. Have you watched Mad Dogs, the Amazon original okay. series? I need to watch that show because I saw I saw Romney interview and he was talking about it. And yeah. it sounded like such a cool. And then I saw it, the little the I'm, I don't <clears> want to talk the. What do you call the small person? Little person. The little person. Jesus Christ! I saw this. I wish our listeners could witness what just happened in here. Like, <laughs> my friend, I was like, what am I? Am I? <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like if we were any level of fame and I said that, and that would be the end of me. But yes, I, I, I'm super yeah, I, was, I, I don't know. Super interested. Hey, in so Steve's on. Really, did you finish I, it? Yeah, I watched it in like two days. Jeez. It's good, man. I need so to would you say Steve Zahn falls under, you say, so story. So, yeah, I would say the story, story. of Steve Zahn's character. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I think editors are unsung, so I would say the editing is probably the, yeah. the strongest point. Daddy daycare. Daddy I would daycare. have to say story, because, yeah. Who doesn't want to open a daddy daycare right. and see, see how That's it goes? That's Eddie Murphy and yeah. Jeff Garland? Yeah. Well, good news, because there's two more questions about it. Um, another <laughs> Bob Rose question. In Daddy Daycare, there's a scene where the kid dressed as the Flash eats lots of sugar and moves at super speed. How do you feel this scene was supposed to take place within the reality of the film itself? Was the kid perceiving himself moving like that? Were the daddies? Was it simply happening in the mind's eye of the omniscient filmmaker and a silent yet poignant conversation between them and the audience? Or was the kid actually moving at superhuman speed? If so... How does this affect the DDC universe? What implications do all of you feel it will have on the sequels? I'll go with option B. Yeah, which was... I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> <laughs> Whichever one. Whichever middle. one sounds good. I'm going to go with B. I remember when taking tests, you know, like Scantrons. Uh -huh. B was a good one. Yeah. So I'll go with B. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's, just, that's, just, that's a question. Again, right not there. having that's seen it, my mind boggles at the implications of superhuman uh, strength and speed and that sort of stuff. So I'm going to go with that option, that this kid was turned into a superhero by eating too much sugar, and that I would say if the movie didn't answer that question itself, then the movie failed to uh, live up to its potential as a film. I think that Robert Rodriguez should make a story about that kid. Yeah. Or put him in the Spy Kids. <laughs> put him in the new Spy Kids. All right, one last question. John Bennett asks, what's the last movie that made you cry? <sighs> That's a very good wow. question. Wow, what was the last one? I think it might have been Room for me. That was the one that I, that had me bawling throughout. But right, I will right, say right. that, and this is not something I'm proud of, but the day that I went to go see Hail Caesar, I was um, kind of... I wasn't doped up on meds, but I was feeling the, the brunt, <laughs> like the, the height of the cold, the, 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 the cold that's had me coughing this whole podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and the trailer for Eddie the Eagle made me choke up a little bit. Really? You know what? I saw Eddie the Eagle, and it 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 maybe it did it didn't make me cry, but it is a very uplifting film. The shot of him like waiting to be picked at kickball or something yeah, yeah, on yeah. the street. I have yeah. to admit, I got you know I was like <laughs> I got a little I got a little <laughs> um, you know slow west slow west slow west got me choked up mm -hmm. at the end. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't I don't want to give anything away, but there's a there's a scene where like yeah. This guy goes on a journey only to be kind of disappointed, and it's yeah. so sad. Yeah. And I thought about, like, how would I feel if I made that journey and I see this person? I'm like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> the ending that, 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 that I, Did we talk about seeing that? I, I thought that was great. Oh, fucking yeah, so we did. I want to see it again. So good. Such so a good, good movie. This was a good year. For, well, 2015 was a really good year for Westerns. But, yeah. yeah. I'm looking. I'm trying to figure out what my last one was, man. I, I'm like the crier, too. If I, I mean off the top of my head, I'm 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 gonna say it was probably probably Inside Out. Mm-hmm. Mm. Bing Bong. Okay. The Bing Bong scene. Yeah. Got Bing me a little bit. Jesus Christ, movie, Steve. We're trying it. to wrap up this episode. <laughs> Sorry, John. The oh, Big Bong. <laughs> the Funko Pop that they have a what, what does he say? Take her to the Take her to the moon or uh, something like that. Jesus Christ. Something right, we need to wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go in a room by myself. <laughs> Well, thanks for uh, asking those questions, folks. And maybe the, maybe the people that ask those questions, if we tell them that we answered their question, maybe they'll listen to this episode. Aha, this aha. is how we have trapped them. I like what you did them. there, John. We've captured them, guys. You guys so. got got. Yep. 
Got to listen. You're to welcome. It now, yeah. You assholes. <laughs> this is this is how we get more listeners. I like what you're thinking yeah. here. I like it. Yeah. We need to do this for every episode. This is very mm-hmm. smart. Appeal to their egos. Yeah. Never fails. Well, guys, thanks for listening to episode 154. You can hit us up on uh, iTunes, Movie Schmovie. We're also on Facebook, and uh, as as we always say, can you can you please review this or, or star it or do something? If you're taking the time to listen to this, or maybe if you're one of those people that wrote in a question and haven't done this, this uh, so far, it would be great if you could give us a rating on iTunes. Because now we know they can write, and they have yeah. access to the internet, and that they, they're fine with like typing stuff typing into words a together. Yeah, 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 send. yeah. And, and at least if you could just click, you know, yeah. you could just click a star rating. Oh man, we you don't know need you to type do words it. out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that would be. Very, very kind of you, and we would really appreciate it. Um, but otherwise, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks for episode one fifty five. Mm. Are we gonna Are we gonna give them any? We'll tell them it's it's all about looking yeah, forward. Yeah, we're What's looking coming up. Forward. Yeah. You look forward to one fifty five. Yeah, and then we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, and as always, you've made our day. Bye.